Welcome to Mad Tales, twisted tales of terror written, narrated, and produced by me, James Knoll. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mad Tales, the special Mung Ward edition. I'm James Nolan. It's Monday, January 31st, as I record this in my little tiny studio in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And it is freaking cold outside. 25 degrees when I went out to the car to commute to school this morning. Anyways, I've got the next chapter in Mung Ward dialed up for you in just a second. Here's a little recap of last week's episode, chapter two of Mung Ward, Bendoth Murder Sleep. So, so far, we've met all of the workers on the farm, including the titular Ben, as well as Rufus, Jake and Iko, and of course, the lovely Harlow. Cece also got herself a little tour of the farm and even had a nice face-to-face with the local herbage and undergrowth. Next up, you get to meet two more characters, Desmond Warner and Etienne Mueller, two of the creepiest, orneriest, most awfulest bosses anybody could ever hope to have. Before I hit play on tape, I got a review of Mungward on Amazon the other day that I would love to read to you because this one really, really made me feel good. It's from Haunted Reader. I got a five out of five stars, and it starts with superb and terrifying science horror. So excellent. This novel has it all. The blurb captivated me at the mention of toxic fungus, and I immediately leaped into this maelstrom of horror, contemporary science fiction, and mad science a la Dr. Moreau. Conspiracy, profit-mongering, and a total disregard for human life that surpasses even that of wild animals or zombies. Racism, sexism, body shaming, migrant captivity, suspense ratcheted to the very highest level possible without suffering aneurysm. This is a nonstop bullet train race with multiple empowered female characters who find themselves being the rescuers of the innocent foolish males. What a non-traditional reversal. Undoubtedly, I'll return to Mungwar again and again. Thanks again, Haunted Reader. Like I said, I was flying high on that review for a good couple of days. And by the way, if you're interested in picking up a copy of the novel, it's available in ebook, paperback, and hardcover right now. And of course, I'm releasing the full version of the audiobook you're listening to next week. You can pick it up wherever you buy audiobooks, or you can buy it from me direct at silverhammer.studio. That's S I L V E R H A M M E R.studio. I'll post the link in the show notes, of course. Now, here it is, chapter three of Mungwort. What in the happy horse shit is this? I think I disagree with that philosophy, my First call came before dawn the next day. Cece scarfed her breakfast down under the limbs of the great oak, and then it was back out to the fence. She ambled alongside Ben through the fields, rubbing her neck and shoulders. First week's rough on your back, Ben said. It's rough on everything. I see you're wearing your hat and sleeves. Cece patted her back pocket. Brought my gloves, too. Harlow's really going to take them out of your paycheck. I don't doubt it. So what are we going to do after we clear the last few sections? Don't worry, they'll find something for us. I don't doubt that either. Cece didn't have to worry about their next job. As they approached the fence, she thought she was seeing things, that the gray dawn light only made it appear as though the brush carpeted the links again. But as they drew closer, and the other workers started groaning and cursing, she realized it wasn't an illusion at all. The entire length she thought they'd already cleared was a wash in green, somehow thicker than before. Dude, what the fuck is this? It happens sometimes, Ben said. Yeah, but how? I think it's the fertilizer they use. Use on what? All they have is unplowed fields. Oh, the hoop house flowers. What is that, some kind of code for something? 
No, it's what they grow here. Ben glanced at Cece. Didn't anybody tell you that? No. A dozen newly sharpened machetes waited for them near the fence. Next to them, a single chainsaw. Ben adjusted his hat, tugged on his gloves, and pulled his sleeves down. No use in complaining, he said. It was almost lunch when the incessant buzzing of the chainsaw suddenly died. The silence was so complete as to be shocking. Ben came around from the other side of the fence and joined Cece, who was just finishing up one last patch of brush. What happened? he asked. Cece raised her chin at the fallen tree where Rufus sat hunched over the trunk, scratching his head and looking at the saw at his feet. His tool went limp. Ben chuckled. <laughs> Nothing worse than performance issues. Jake popped up on the trunk and slapped Rufus's shoulder with the back of his hand. What the fuck did you do now? I didn't do anything. It just died. Did you check the oil? Yeah, I checked the oil. Did you check the gas? I'm not an idiot, Jake. Back up. Rufus got into position and pulled on the ripcord. The saw sputtered, chugged, and died. Pull harder, Jake said. I know how to start a chainsaw. Doesn't look like it. Let me try. No, I got this. Rufus started yanking spastically on the cord, all to little effect. Cece watched, half intrigued, half amused. Rufus was not a burly person. His arms were more bone than muscle, his chest had a divot, and his ribs stuck out like a xylophone. Cece felt that if the urge struck, she could walk over, pick him up over her head, and snap him in half. With every pull of the cord, she expected something on him to break. Everybody seemed to think the same thing, because they all stopped what they were doing to watch. Jake standing on the trunk behind him, Iko leaning on her ATV, Ben leaning on the hilt of his machete. On the hundredth pull, Rufus paused. He was breathing like he'd just run a marathon. God damn it! Jake reached for the saw again. Here, let me... No! Rufus grabbed the ripcord and pulled one last time. And miraculously, the chainsaw roared to life. He held it up over his head. Yes! Yes! Jake backed away, hands raised. Careful, asshole! Fuck off, Jakey boy! Okay, you got it started. Let me get the bottom cut done first. My start, my saw. Dude, we have to start underneath first or it'll pinch. Jake took a step forward, but Rufus swung the saw away with one hand and put the other on Jake's chest. Jake looked at it, looked at Rufus. My start, my saw, Rufus yelled. Goggles affixed, earplugs in place. Rufus started in on the underside of the trunk, angling in. He pressed up, grimacing against the sawdust that flew up into his face and coated his chest. When he finished one side, he angled the saw up to start in on the other. Cece leaned into Ben's ear. He's totally going to pinch the bar. Ben nodded. Rufus attacked the trunk again. While he really was scrawny to the point of emaciation, he impressed Cece with the way he handled the job. His arms might have been shaking and his torso clenched so tight that each muscle on his abdomen stood out under a sweat-soaked shirt. But he was getting it done. If only he had the sense to stop. The trunk cracked and shifted, but he pressed on. Another inch. Another crack. Jake hopped down and started waving his arms over his head. Rufus! Cut the engine! Rufus pressed upward, teeth gritted. With one final hefty crack, the trunk pinched. The saw went dead, and Rufus let it go, leaving it hanging by the bar. Dude, what the fuck? Told you, man, Jake said. I just needed one more inch. Jake put his hands on his knees to inspect the damage. It's fucked, man. Do you always have to act like a spaz? Only on your mom. Rufus grabbed the chainsaw by the handle and yanked, but it didn't give. I wouldn't do that, Cece called. Maybe just jiggle it a little, Ben suggested. 
I wouldn't do that either. Rufus put a foot on the trunk and pulled with both hands. Nothing. He put both feet up and hung from the handle, straining in vain. The saw wiggled. That's a $200 bar, Rufus, Jake said. You break it and it's... Rufus yanked once, twice, and on the third time, the bar cracked, the chain snapped, and he flew back and landed on his ass with a shocked, Ugh! Fuck! God damn it, Rufus. Iko hopped on her four-wheeler. I'll go get one from the West Field. I wouldn't do that, Jake said. Warner and Mueller are over there. You really want to let him in on this? Iko opened her mouth to argue, then closed it. Rufus jumped up onto the trunk. We can get this done without us all. Watch. He jumped straight up into the air, thrusting his legs down as hard as he could when he landed. The trunk creaked and popped, and the branches underneath bounced like shock absorbers. The cut's pretty deep. He jumped again. A louder crack this time. If we wrap a chain around this end and fix it to the four-wheeler, jump, thump, crack. And a bunch of us get up here and jump together, jump, thump, crack. I'm not doing that, Cece said. Yeah, me neither, Ben added. Rufus shot Jake a look. Jake? No way, man. Iko? I gotta run the four-wheeler. Pussies, Rufus spat. Fine, I'll do it myself. What do you say, guys? The broken bar stuck out of the trunk like an accusation. Jake picked up the chainsaw motor and inspected the casing. Finally, sighing, he said, Can't hurt to try. The chain had a hook on each end. Jake extended it from the hitch, wrapped it around the trunk, and hooked it into the link closest to the hitch. Iko started the ATV and drove forward a few feet, pulling the chain taut. On my signal, Rufus said. He positioned himself on the bottom side of the cut, the side closest to the root ball. Ready? Set? Gun it! Iko unleashed the throttle. The tires spun, pelting everybody nearby with dirt and grass. The trunk shifted, cracked, shifted again. Go, go, go! Rufus yelled. He started jumping up and down on the trunk. It reminded Cece of an old music video from a band her father loved. Joy Division? No. New Order. The four-wheeler gained some traction, spun in place, gained some more. The wood groaned like a dying leviathan, and Rufus, incited by the noise, jumped higher, slamming down again and again. Almost there! Another crack, louder this time, and the two halves shifted. The top rolled an inch, teetering on the edge of breaking off. Holy shit! Ben yelled to Cece. It's gonna work! The bottom of the tree, the part still attached to the root base, bobbed along with Rufus as he jumped, shaking and swaying. Cece swung wide to look at the hole where the tree used to stand. Two thick roots bent out of the ground and into the trunk, fastening the ball to the earth. Her eyes widened. Stop! She yelled, running toward Iko. Cut the engine! But it was too late. Iko gunned the four-wheeler one last time. The trunk cracked and rolled forward. Cece spun and sprinted for the still-leaping Rufus. She stepped on a log and launched herself into the air, hitting him broadside and sending them both flying. They dropped to the other side and landed with a thud. With one final massive report, the section of the trunk chained to the four-wheeler pulled away. But the other section, the section still attached to the root base, shot up like a catapult and whumped back into his hole. Sticks and errant branches whistled through the air, sailing over the tops of trees and flying deep into the forest like missiles. Iko turned the engine off, leaving them all in stunned silence. Then, out of the emptiness, Rufus screamed, My arm! My fucking arm! A mini-truck pulled up, a calico beater with new tires and a rusty grill. It came to a stop with a whine, the gears thunked into park, and the driver threw the door open. Fuck, Ben muttered. Warner. Warner was a tall, thick man with an impressive belly straining the buttons on his work shirt. 
He stepped around the front of the truck and hooked his thumbs into his belt, surveying the scene like he just stumbled into a geriatric orgy. What in the happy horseshit is going on here? Hey everybody, it's James again. I'm just popping in here to remind you that Mungwort, the audiobook, will be available to download on February 8th, 2022. And as a special deal, I've also put together the Mungwort Total Bundle. This deal includes one digital version of Mungwort, the ebook, that is a digital download, one Mungwort audiobook version, also a digital download, one Mungwort hardcover, and finally, one theme song, that CC song, that's going to also be a digital download. So normally this costs $49.99, but I'm offering a special launch price of $29.99 from now through February 8th. All you have to do is go to my store at silverhammer.studio forward slash store, and you can order it there. All transactions are secure. If you're interested in checking out any of these deals, head over to the show notes for the links, or you can just go straight to the source, of course, at silverhammer.studio. And now, back to the story. Jake stepped forward, already explaining. Mr. Warner, we were just trying to... Shut up, Jake! Rufus! Quit rolling around like an idiot and get back to work! Rufus continued to writhe and moan. God damn it, Rufus! You either get up or his shoulder's out, Cece yelled. Give him a second. Warner cussed under his breath. God damn it. Mueller! A second man, much skinnier, with a rugged face etched with sun and dirt and years of hard work, eased out of the passenger side. He hung over the door with a lazy leer. Yeah, boss. What do you mean, yeah, boss? We got a man down. I'm on it. Mueller shut the door and picked his way through the debris. The sap covered branches, the blackened twigs, his movements lithe and serpentine. What do we have here? He dislocated his shoulder, Cece explained. I can see that, darling. Get him up. Don't let that arm drop. Cece got to her feet and stooped over Rufus. Hold your arm against your chest, she said. I'll scoop you up on three, okay? One? No, Rufus said. Two? Wait, Cece lifted him a beat early, and Rufus was too shocked to scream, letting out a tepid, <laughs> instead. And then he was standing, holding his left arm as if it didn't belong to his body. Mueller suppressed a laugh. All right, boy, come on. Wait, my hat, Rufus said, and without a second thought, he reached for it, with his good arm. The bum limb dropped and dangled from its socket like a dead branch, and Rufus leaned over even farther, arm swinging, and puked all over his shoes. Cece and Mueller took a simultaneous step back. Told you to hold on to that, Mueller said. After they stowed Rufus safely away in the cab, Warner addressed the crew. What a pathetic bunch of assholes are we! Whose stupid fucking idea was this? That's not really fair, Ben said. Jake, quiet, bacon grease! Ben's mouth snapped shut. Warner strolled around the site, eyeballing each of them. Most found something of interest to stare at on the ground. Anybody want to explain just what the fuck happened here? His eyes settled on Jake. How about you, Queen Bee? The chainsaw got pinched and the bar broke, so the bar broke? God damn it! Warner whipped around and found Cece. And who the fuck are you? Ben stepped forward. She's new, just came in less. How many times I gotta tell you to shut up? He glared at Cece. What's your name? Cece. Let me ask you something, Cece. Are you a certified arborist? No, I just... Have you even completed the required class on power tool safety? 
Cece pressed her lips together. No. Then what the fuck are you doing over here? Why aren't you hacking ass on the brush line with the rest of the grunts? The trunk was about to fly, so I... So you what? Decided to fuck with my job site? Rufus did that perfectly fine all by himself. Dude, Ben said. If she hadn't knocked Rufus off that trunk, it would have sent him flying like a missile. We'd be cleaning his brains off a tree somewhere. Warner's left eye twitched. He spun around and addressed Jake. That true? Reluctantly, Jake said. Yeah. Warner nodded. He apprised Cece anew, a grudging respect flashing across his face. Well, this ain't preschool, dipshits. We're down a fucking man, and we're down a fucking chainsaw. You have any idea how much one of those bars costs? As one, they all said, $200. Warner's face turned red. His bloodshot eyes settled on Cece, then Jake, then Ben. Come on, Warner, Iko said. It could have been worse. She was only trying to help, Jake added. Warner's scowl deepened. He spat on the ground. This fence has to be repaired, this tree taken down, and all this brush tarped up. Fast. So all y'all sack up, cut the crap, and make it right before sundown. Sundown? Jake whined. This is at least a two-day job. Then it looks like you'll be late for dinner, don't it? Amidst the groans of the workers, Warner stomped back to the truck and swung inside. Mueller hopped in the bed, and the tires carved ruts in the soft earth as they peeled away. The sun had just set when Cece and the rest of the crew straggled in. The bulbs hanging between each tent illuminated the village with a warm glow, and the other workers milled around, talking, playing cards, or just enjoying the evening. Low fires burned despite the heat, including one in the center of the village, as the smoke helped keep the bugs at bay. Jake peeled away, giving Iko a quick kiss, and Iko dipped into her yurt. Cece, however, plopped herself down in a chair in front of the central fire across from a couple having a low conversation. Ben joined her. The symphony of the woods, the crickets, the katydids, swelled and fell all around them. Cece removed a crumpled pack of cigarettes from her breast pocket and shook one up. Well, that was an enormous pile of bullshit. Actually, Ben said, for Warner, that was pretty nice. The guy's a sadist. I mean, you did almost kill Rufus. Kill him? I saved his life. Cece picked the flaming branch out of the fire and used it to light her cigarette. I haven't smoked this much in years, she said. She blew out a cloud and watched it mingle with the smoke from the fire. Fucking jiggle it. They both laughed, and Ben, feeling the mood lighten, lay on his back. It's not my fault we have to jerry-rig everything around here. Pretty much par for the course with these jobs, isn't it? Doesn't make it right. This is your first time working something like this, isn't it? Kind of. There isn't any kind of, Ben. Either you have or you haven't. Hmm, then it's my first one. Why? Ben shrugged. I needed a job. But why this crap? You could be washing dishes or bartending or something. I'm an anthro major at W&M. I thought, I don't know, I could spend my summer doing something closer to what I want to do when I graduate. He picked up a rock and threw it into the fire. Stupid choice, I know. Nah, I get it. You've obviously done this before. Plenty times ten. None exactly like this, though, right? Cece took another drag and flicked the button to the fire. The work's pretty much the same, even if the details are different. It's okay here, Ben said. Warner's a hard ass, like I said, but he's all right most of the time. Yeah, I've seen plenty of guys like him. They yell and they yell. That other one's a piece of work, though. The couple on the other side stood up and moved away, casting wary glances over their shoulders. Mueller? 
Ben said. He's all right. He doesn't talk much. Just a little weird. I mean, Iko hates him. So does Harlow and Jake. He waited for a beat. And me too, I guess. Cece leaned back and looked up at the stars. The night sky was black velvet with bright pinpricks of light. The stars are so pretty out here. She turned in a little while later. Harlow was still up, sitting cross-legged on her cot, reading a paperback. Hey, Cece said. Harlow didn't even look up from her book. Cece clucked her tongue and whispered, Fine. She went over to her rack, lay back, and closed her eyes. After a moment, she rolled over and rummaged around in her bag. She dug out her cell phone and tapped at the screen. Still no bars. Shit. Good luck with that, Harlow said. No cell service around here for miles. Cece checked the battery. 90%. She turned it off and stowed it away. Harlow shifted on her cot, and the sheet she pulled up over her legs fell to the side, revealing a tattoo of a female tomato sitting coquettishly in a hammock. Nice ink, Cece said. Harlow pulled the sheet over her leg. Cece tried again. I think we got off to a bad start. Harlow turned her book over. What you did out there today was super dangerous. You heard about that? Everything everybody does gets back to me. Then you know I saved Rufus's life. You both could have died. I don't want to get on your bad side, Cece said. Maybe there's some way for us just to get along? This isn't a Disney movie, sweetie. We're not going to end up best friends. You want to get along with me? Keep your mouth shut and do your job. Aiko, who'd been sleeping with her back to them, took her pillow and squeezed it over her head. Oh my god, uh, she moaned. Will you two shut up? Sorry, eh, Harlow said. She reached behind her and pulled the filter mask from under her pillow. Something about it struck Cece as familiar. An image flashed into her head. Karen, in the pickup truck, looking at her from behind the same kind of mask. Double trouble, huh? And then... What happened? She couldn't recall. It was right there on the tip of her tongue, but... Harlow caught Cece staring. Can I help you? What? No, I was just looking at your mask. And? Nothing. I just thought maybe you have bad allergies or something. Harlow strapped the mask over her face. Do me a favor, she said. Mind your own business. Then she leaned over and flicked off the string lights. The night sounds filled the void between them. Later, Cece sat up in her bunk, gasping. She couldn't tell if it was night or morning. All she knew was that she heard a thud and felt the ground shake. She looked around the yurt. All was gray and silent. Harlow lay on her back, her heavy snores muffled behind the mask. Then someone spoke on the other side of the canvas, just loud enough for her to hear. Sick of this shit. Not enough money in the world for me to stay. Come on. Don't leave. Look at what happened to Dion. Dion was an idiot. The guy was a Rhodes Scholar. He was a mama's boy doing a summer of hard labor so he could go back and virtue signal to all of his douchebag friends. Just come back to the yurt. No way. Please? I said no way. I'm losing it here, man. They work us so hard. I can't. There's something wrong here. Don't you feel it? It's just the hard work. No, I mean, I can't remember stuff. Like what? Like, do you remember how you got here? Sure, I, I answered an ad on Craigslist. No, I mean, got here, got here. Like, where you were right before you showed up here. Silence. See? That's what I'm talking about. I, I'm just tired is all. Footsteps crunched on the grass as the pair moved away, their voices fading into the night. Cece listened to the rise and fall of the bugs in the woods, waiting for them to return. And when they didn't, 
She took a deep breath and lay back down and stared at the vent cover. Someone had tied a yellow ribbon to one of the slats, and it shook as the cold air blew. Thanks again for tuning in this week, guys. If you're interested in picking up the Mungwort Total Bundle, head on over to silverhammer.studio, and I'll see you next week.